to Park Valley Church's Sermon of the Week. It doesn't matter if you have been a Christ follower for years or new to the Christian faith, you have come to the right place. Listen in as one of our campus pastors shares how to apply biblical truth in a tangible way. As you listen, we pray you have an encounter with Jesus that leads to real and lasting life change. What a worship set that was. Man, I love that mashup. I love even more being backstage listening to you guys lift your voices and give praise. That, that gets me fired up. All right, got to pull it together here. Uh, you know, before we get started this morning, I do just want to take a minute to apologize that there are some errors in your notes. This past week was a little hectic for our family. Our youngest son, Connor, got married on Friday. Yes, thank you very much. The picture. We have a new amazing daughter-in-law in in Lexi, Uh, but things have been a little hectic this week. So I didn't proofread my notes before I sent them in. So we'll just talk about the errors along the way. But yeah, what a great day. What, you know, just give praise to God for that because they are certainly... um, They are an answer to prayer for each other. So we are just over the moon with that. Okay. Try and keep it together a little bit. You know, my my eyes were pretty sweaty that day. I don't want them to get sweaty again, you know. Okay. So like Pastor Matt said, we're going to close out our series today on kings. Uh, And we're closing out with the king that every other king was leading up to. Um, the people's choice for, of Saul to God's choice of David and every king that followed was all part of God's plan. All of them were pointing towards Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Last week when we talked about uh, Paul preaching in the synagogue in Acts 13, you know, he was giving everyone a history lesson. He, he talked about the choosing of the patriarchs. He talked about deliverance from Egypt. He talked about their time in the wilderness, the, the moving into the promised land, the time of the judges. He talked all the way up to the establishment of the monarchy of Israel. He lays out this whole history to connect us to God's plan for everyone's future. He points out that the key to his plan was one of David's descendants, whose throne would be secure forever. It was always and will always be about Jesus, the King of Kings. You know, we use that word king a lot these days, but we use it very differently. Sometimes it makes me think of um, Inigo Montoya from Princess Bride. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. And if you don't get that quote, go watch The Princess Bride. Don't make fun. You'll laugh then. But, you know, we call people to kings today and, and queens for that matter, but we mean something very different when we say those things. You know, we, we aren't talking about people who have chief authority. We're, we're talking about people just because they're really good at something. You know, Beyonce is called Queen Bee or Queen Bay or whatever it is she's called. Um, LeBron James is called King James because he's really good at basketball. Michael Jackson was the king of pop. And then let's not forget the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. All right. 
Now look, I managed to go three weeks in a series about kings and not bring up Elvis, so it's coming now. Okay, it was tough because you guys know that I like Elvis and let's be honest, like is an understatement, all right? Um, I only have Sirius XM because it has the Elvis channel. 24 hours a day, all Elvis all the time. If I'm listening to music 99.9% .9 of the time, it's Elvis. When we go on a road trip, it usually takes my wife about three hours before she asks, haven't we heard this song already? And my answer is usually, yeah, but this is the version when he was live at the International Hotel in Vegas, you know, so this one's different. She usually rolls her eyes and tries to go to sleep, but don't be cruel, all right? Now, Fridays on Elvis Radio, there is always a, a show. They play reruns of this show um, from a guy who was a friend of Elvis's growing up. His name was George Klein. Elvis was the best man at George's wedding, and uh, Elvis used to call George Klein GK. And every time he signed off his radio show, he died a few years ago, but every time he signed off his radio show, he would say this. He said, this is the jeeker in your speaker coming live to you from the home of rock and roll across from the gates of Graceland in Memphis, Tennessee. Don't you forget that we have had 46 presidents, but we've only had one king. He goes on, but I'm not going to share the rest of those with you. But you know, what, what's interesting about that is Elvis never gave himself the title of king. It was given to him. In fact, during a, a show in 1974 in South Bend, Indiana, Elvis set the record straight on this king of rock and roll label. So this group of ladies had bought basically almost the entire front row uh, close to the stage. And in this row, they had this huge banner that said, Elvis is king. And halfway through the show, Elvis saw it. And he stops the show and he says, thank you very much. Hold on. <clears throat> thank you very much. All right. He says, that thought is beautiful. He says, I love you for it, but I can't accept this kingship thing. Because to me, there's only one, and that's Christ. You know, Elvis had his flaws. He had his thought, faults, but he understood the truth. We have had 46 presidents, and this world has had countless kings, but there is one above them all. There is only one true king, Jesus Christ. You know, what Elvis said also, it reminds me of what John Adams said when the colonies declared their independence from Great Britain. He said, no sovereign but God and no king but Jesus. You know, we throw that title of king around so much that it's kind of lost some of its grandeur. It's kind of lost some of its authority and some of the reverence that it once held. Our country isn't led by a king, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a king. You know, like Pastor Matt said earlier, you know, it, it's important for us to remember that, to remember that Elvis and John Adams were right. And that's not something you hear very often, Elvis and John Adams, but they were right. You know, there is only one king. And it's important for us to remember that because the devil would like nothing more than for us to forget it. So let's take a few minutes this morning and talk about Jesus, the king. 
Because Jesus is not just a king, he is the king. When Gabriel appeared to Mary and told her that she had been favored by God, that she would conceive and give birth to a son, he said this in Luke 1, verses 31 through 33, he says, his name will be Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of God Most High. The Lord God will make him king, as his ancestor David was. He will rule the people of Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Jesus is the king that God promised David when he told him that his kingdom would last forever. God's promise to David was fulfilled in Jesus. In fact, Jesus was the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies of the coming of the son of David, the Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one. And he was going to rule forever. But you know, Jesus didn't come just to rule Israel. This is the first error I made in your notes. Philippians 2 is supposed to be 9 through 11. I left off verse 11, but I'll read it to you. It says, therefore God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The Father elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor. He gave him a name above all other names. There is no higher name than Yahweh, and Jesus has that name. You know, and let's not forget, just because the world likes to throw around the title king, that Jesus is exalted by the Father. So the whole world, all of creation, will recognize the superiority of Jesus Christ. The whole world is brought into submission to the Son as every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. You know what, right now, people can, they can choose to commit their lives to Jesus as Lord voluntarily. But one day, when Christ returns, all will do it mandatorily. Because they will recognize that there is no higher authority. All of creation will know that there is no higher name, that there is no greater name than Jesus. You know, Revelation 19 talks about Jesus' return. He will return in power and glory. And in verse 11, it starts out, he says, Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider's name was Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. And then in verse 16, the Bible says, On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Now, that that makes the hair on my arm stand up, because that is truth. This is a Jesus that demands not only our attention, but also our submission. And I don't mean submission in a negative way. Instead, it's, it's in simple acknowledgement that not only is Jesus the king, but he is also the king of kings, meaning that he reigns supreme over all things. There is no power, no king, no Lord who can oppose him and even hope to think about winning. There is no higher authority. 
He has absolute dominion over his realm, over his kingdom. So let's talk about his kingdom. Because a king without a kingdom isn't much of a king. Jesus' kingdom is all of creation. But what, what does that mean? How do we wrap our heads around that idea? So the Bible shows us a few things. When Jesus started his earthly ministry, the Bible says that uh, in Matthew 4, 17, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven has come. So first he says that the kingdom of heaven. Now Matthew is the only one that uses kingdom of heaven. Mark and Luke actually say kingdom of God. And that's because Matthew was writing to Jews. Jews didn't use God's name, so he says kingdom of heaven. It all means the same thing, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. So the kingdom of heaven came to this world when God himself entered into human history as a man in Jesus Christ. Jesus is king and Lord over all creation, but he also brought his kingdom with him. John the Baptist was kind of like the king's herald, you know, announcing things. He announced that the king was coming. He announced that the king was here, that, that he had arrived because he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The king had come and he had brought the kingdom with him. And with his message to repent and to turn to God, Jesus gives us even more information about the kingdom. First, he says, repent, turn from sin, turn to God. To repent means to reverse your direction. Turn from whatever it is you are doing and turn to God. You know, and I love that it, it doesn't say, get your life straightened out first and then turn to God. Because look, I can tell you from experience, it won't work that way. Turn to God and you'll get your life straightened out. So don't wait, don't delay, don't kid yourself. Today is the day of salvation. Turn to God, your life will, will start figuring itself out. Now when you turn to God and, and you make Jesus Lord of your life, then the kingdom of heaven lives in the heart of every believer. Jesus brought the kingdom with him and then he gives the kingdom to all who will believe. Now, it's not like any kingdom that we know here on earth. And that's what Jesus tried to explain to Pilate in John 18. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. So he makes this statement about the nature of his kingdom, not its location. You're not gonna find it on a map. The authority and the power of his kingdom doesn't come from this world. The source is divine in nature and in, it is absolute in scope. His kingdom is not of this world, but it is in this world. And through it, he exercises his authority over the world and impacts the lives of all who dwell in it. And that's what Jesus was trying to remind the disciples of with the Great Commission. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All means all, all authority all nations, all things for all time. Authority up there and down here. In other words, Jesus said, I'm in charge. And since he's in charge, what he says is go and make disciples. 
add more subjects to this king, kingdom by sharing the truth about its king. You know, a king needs a kingdom, but a kingdom is nothing without its subjects. You know, Jesus told Pilate that he came into this world as a king, but he was a king with a purpose. His purpose was to testify to the truth and that his followers would be those who love that truth. So what truth are we talking about? Well, Luke 9, 23, Jesus said this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. So the first part of that truth is we have to give up our crowns. We have to give up our own way. We aren't in charge. You can't have two kings. To quote the great Ricky Bobby, you can't have two number ones because that just makes 11. You have to give up your crown. You have to give it up daily and follow your king. Following our king means that we love ourselves less and we love our king more. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands in John 14, 15. You know, a a king's role is to care for and provide for his subjects. And in return, the subject's role is that they are expected to obey their king's commands. And Jesus made it clear what those commands are. This is the, the other error in your notes. It says Matthew 23. It's supposed to be Matthew 22. But Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and most important command. And the second command is like the first. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So two simple commands. Love God with all that you are and all that you have. And then love everyone else as much as you love yourself. Clear and simple. At least in theory, right? A little bit more difficult in practice. But luckily for us, our king also provides the example for us to follow. Look what Paul said to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11.1. He said, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. That's good advice. Imitate Christ. You know, there are people that make a really good living as Elvis tribute artists. And I know it seems a little weird, you know, like some weirdo playing dress up. Do we have that picture like that? Yeah, that's me. That's a few years before the beard. Um, But you know what, the thing about an Elvis impersonator, which I am not, I am not a tribute artist. Um, An Elvis impersonator spends a whole lot of time studying everything about Elvis. The way he moved, the way he acted, the way he talked, the way he sang. They comb their hair like him, they wear their clothes like him. They do everything they can to be like Elvis. You know what, their goal is to hear someone say, that's just like Elvis. What would this world look like if we all approached imitating Jesus the way tribute artists approach imitating Elvis? You know, just like a a, a tribute artist will never be Elvis, we will never be Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we can't strive to be as close as we can so that we can hear someone say, That's just like Jesus. 
Let's imitate our king. Let's follow his example. Because Jesus is the king. His kingdom is at hand. And we have the ability to choose him as our king. Most people don't get to choose their king. But we have the choice to acknowledge, his, acknowledge him as our king. But let, let me be clear. We don't get to choose whether or not he is king because that has already been decided. Jesus is king. What we have is the choice to decide whether he is our king. So let me ask you that. Is Jesus your king? It's the most important question that you'll ever have to answer. You know, we've been talking about kings this month because the story of the kings in all of history through the Bible is really the story of Jesus. The story of every king has only pointed us to the king of kings. And everything we do here at Park Valley Church is all about that question. Is Jesus your king? That question needs an answer. It needs an answer because Jesus fulfilled all of the prophecies that told of his first coming. Over 300 prophecies, he fulfilled them all. He will fulfill all of the prophecies about his second coming. You know, one of my favorite Elvis concerts is what has become known as the 68 Comeback Special. As great as it was, it will be nothing compared to Jesus' comeback special. And when that king returns, when he returns, every knee will bow and every tongue will acknowledge. Now, what that looks like for everyone depends on how you answer that question. Is Jesus your king? To ask it a different way, how will you respond to the truth of the gospel? If you've never answered that question, if you don't know what the gospel is, well, John 3.16 explains the gospel. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The gospel tells us that we were created to be in a relationship with God. But our sin has broken that relationship. Sin requires a penalty to be paid, and that penalty is death. But John 3.16 says that God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. to take our place. Jesus died on that cross, but he rose after three days, proving that he is the Son of God and offering the gift of salvation to any who will repent and believe in him. You see, Elvis left the building, but Jesus left an empty tomb. And because that tomb is empty, if we believe in him, we won't perish, but instead we'll have everlasting life. John 3.16 tells us that God loved, God gave, and God saved. That's the gospel. 
And if you believe that, then the Bible says that the next thing to do is say, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And when you do, you'll be saved. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're here today and you have never invited Jesus into your heart, if you don't know Jesus as your king, as your savior, you can do that today. Right where you sit, right where you sit, you can just whisper this prayer. You just say, Heavenly Father, I want you to know that I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and that three days later he rose. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I can't save myself. So Lord, I just ask for your forgiveness. I repent of my sin and I turn to you. I put my trust and my faith in Jesus. I want Jesus to be my king. And I want to live my life as part of his kingdom. Lord, I just thank you for loving me. And I thank you for sending Jesus. Now with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you, <clears throat> if you prayed that prayer this morning, if you decided to answer the question, is Jesus your king? By saying yes, will you just let me know and lift a hand? Once you put them up, you can put them down. If that was you this morning, please don't leave without grabbing one of the Bibles and bags by our door on the way out. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for today. Thank you for your blessings. We thank you for the hands that went up, Lord. And I just pray for a hedge of protection around each and every one of them. I pray for a hedge of protection around all of us. I pray that you will help us, strengthen us and encourage us to be Jesus impersonators. Let us live a life that shows that Jesus is our King. Let us do your will in everything that we do. And we just pray for this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you accepted Christ, want to accept Christ, or just want to see what Park Valley Church is about, you can email us at info at parkvalleychurch.com. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.